Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Morning. I am so glad to be with you. Happy Thanksgiving weekend to you all. Um, man, I'm stuffed. Anybody else? Stu- I'm still full from Thursday. So, uh, man, I am so glad to be with you. If you are new, uh, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, just glad to be with you this morning. Um, we are in a series. This is our third week and final week of this series called Stuffed. And uh, for me, this conversation has been extremely important. Um, you know, a lot of times we will plan for a series and, you know, just kind of take a test of what God's doing in, in our church and around us and try to figure out, like, where are we going with what we're talking about at church? Well, here's the deal. Um, I'm just preaching to myself in this series more than anybody, and I hope that it's challenging you as well. But I've realized uh, as I've been preparing for this that I've got some work to do when it comes to being more generous and less greedy with my stuff. And so this series is called Stuffed, and it's all about getting a a picture and a perspective on what we have that results in a little less anxiety and a little bit more freedom. Anybody else need that? Anybody need that in the room? So I want some of that as we're coming in to this season of Christmas. Um, We just got done with Thanksgiving dinner, and uh, we want the gratitude to continue throughout this season. And and it it is that season, typically the season of giving. Um, In fact, many nonprofits and churches between December 1st and the 31st receive uh, most of their donations uh, that support them for the whole entire year in that one month. It, It is just the season of giving. People get in this mood where they're like, all right, you know, let's do this thing. Let's be a little bit more giving, a little bit more generous. People seem to be a little bit more gracious and, you know, a little bit less apt to make things a big deal and, and forgiving. And so there's just that tone um, in the room. And we want to see that in our lives for the entire year. Like, if you're anything like me, you're realizing a month is not enough. Um, I want to live in a sense of gratitude through the entire year. And so this morning, that's what we're talking about is, is thankfulness and, and gratitude. It's Thanksgiving weekend. we got to talk about that stuff. And, uh, and so the first week, we laid out a couple things that I think are so key um, to understanding our stuff. The first reality is this, that everything comes from God. And, and this, this reality, I think, changes everything we do with our finances, with our stuff, is realizing that it's all been given to us by God. We like to think, you know, I, I got the job, I got the education, I went to work, you know, that was all me. But I think as we look at this stuff, we realize all of those abilities, all of the desire, all of the opportunities that you have been given, have been given to you by God. So that's the first thing that we have to understand. The second thing is that everything submits to God. It's just the reality that at any moment, anything can be given to me or taken away from me, which is really important to know, right? You know, there could be a recession, all of your retirement, you know, could go out the window and now you don't have a plan, right? Or, or you could, you know, have a health issue that goes on in your life. And any of you who have gotten kind of a bad diagnosis before, know that you can go from being really comfortable financially to just scraping by or going deep into debt because of changes that happen in your life. And so there's sort of this this release of the grip that we have on our stuff, our our sense of control, when we start to know that everything comes from God and everything submits 
to God. And if that's the case, then who are we to hold tightly uh, to this stuff? And really, that's what gives us the anxiety. That's what gives us all the worry. Um, because the tighter you hold, the more you have to work to try to make sure it doesn't go away, right? It's like, man, I, I got to make sure I can hold on. But then, you know, as we release the grip, know that everything comes from God, everything submits to God, we can live in a little bit more peace. We can be more generous, more giving. And ultimately, as God's people, if you're a Christian here today, you'll find yourself on mission in ways that you weren't before. You'll find that the, the, the stuff like the financial part of your life that Maybe you used to sit in the corner over here, like here's your spiritual life, here's this financial part. God will connect those and you will experience joy in your finances that you haven't experienced before. When we align our financial life, our stuffed life uh, underneath God, then we start to have a lot of joy in what we do. We know that the bills we're paying are bills we're supposed to pay. We know that the things that we do with our finances are things we're supposed to do, and and it's intentional. I don't know about you, but I don't find a whole lot of joy in paying bills. Anybody just sit down and, 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 you know, like, honey, let's do this. It's bill pay day. Let's just write. We don't get excited about that stuff oftentimes um, because I think we don't have peace in our finances with where things are going in general. I think when we have peace, submit those things to God, um, it's, it's going to be a little bit more joyful in that area. Last week, we had Joe here, who was awesome. Wasn't he good? He did such a good job sharing the word with us. Yeah, he's so good. And uh, Joe really challenged us on a, on a few different areas. He's told the story of the woman who had lost her husband and her sons were going to get sold into slavery and she was in this financial bind and the sons ran around getting uh, these jars and then ultimately God performed a miracle, filled the jars up with oil. She had more than she ever could have asked for or needed to provide for her and her family. And, and Joe made one point that I think stuck out to me more than any. And it was, it was simply this. When God says to do something... Do it, right? right, right. If you want to boil all my sermons down to one statement from every single week, if you don't walk out with anything else, when God speaks to you, you should do that. That's, uh, that's real simple um, and real hard to do, isn't it? It's easier to say than it is to do that. Actually follow God when he speaks to you and guides you. But in that moment, they did something crazy, getting all these jars for you know, oil that they didn't know where it come from. And ultimately, God pours out his blessing on them, and they have more than they could possibly have needed. And so, uh, and then we, and that afternoon, we had what was called the financial learning experience. Anybody show up to that? A few of you guys? Yeah, a bunch of you. So we had over 300 people in this room, I think. It was a huge group of people. We were blown away at the response uh, from all of you, just wanting to come together. And, and it was a two-hour learning experience where Joe just lined out some ways that we can press forward in our finances, that we can take our next steps when it comes to uh, all that we have. And I'll tell you, my wife and I, we sat over in this corner taking notes. And uh, I got to the end. And I'm like, I think I've got like one next step. I look over at my wife. She has eight, eight next steps for us. She's like, honey, we got some work to do because there's always work to be done. Uh, whether you are very good with your finances and you're here today and you're like, Brian, I got this locked down or uh, you are wondering if you're going to pay the bills next week. Um, either way, I think we have a next step to take um, to move forward in this. And so I want to talk about thankfulness and getting a new perspective today. Um, anybody here ever been cliff diving? Any cliff divers in the room? A few of you have done this before? My wife and I had an opportunity a couple years ago to go on a vacation uh, to Hawaii, which was awesome in and of itself. But this was like a special vacation because the kids stayed home, which was awesome. Um, we, we, uh, we were able to go on this vacation without the kids. And I'm telling you what, I got on that airplane and I was just in a different headspace than typically. You know, normally as a parent, you know how this is. You're counting heads, making sure everybody's got crayons and they're happy and nobody's freaking out. And, you know, it was just me and my wife. 
And I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I was so excited. I'm like, we're going we're gonna to live like when we were just married. We're going to, I don't know, sleep on the beach if we want to and, you know, just be out late every night and it's going to be crazy, you know. And so remember a, a couple days later, we're laying on the beach and I look up the beach and I see this huge black rock that jetted out into the ocean. And I'm just kind of looking at that thing. That's pretty cool. And I see this little person way up on top. I'm like, oh, there's a, there's a sightseer, and then they jump, and I'm like, ah, what's going on, and then poosh, they splash into the water, and they swim around, and I realize, okay, this is a cliff diving spot, this is awesome, so <laughs> Amanda's right there, I'm like, Amanda, I want to go jump off that cliff, and she's like, you're gonna, what? You have children at home, and I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, and, and you know, their dad needs to come home with some good stories, and so I'm gonna go jump off this cliff. She goes, well, I'll film it so that our kids can see their daddy die, you know, and have at least proof that you are here. And, and so we, we, we climb up the top of this cliff, and, and, uh, and it's windy and breezier than I thought it was gonna be, and I look down, and any of you who've been cliff diving know how this is. It looks like 30 feet from the bottom, and you get to the top, and it's like 1,000 feet down, right? All of a sudden, this mountain is huge. And so I'm looking around, and Amanda's like, are you going to do it? I'm like, I can't back out now, right? This girl's watching me, and she's got the camera going, and so I'm going to prove myself here. I'm, uh, I'm still young and adventurous, and so, you know, there's no signs like, jump from here, you know? This is where you jump. Uh, there's no signage, and I'm looking around, where do I jump? And I see some, like, dirt sloughed around on the edge here. I'm thinking, that's maybe where they jump. And then I see some over here, and there's dirt. I'm like, ah, I don't know where to jump, you know? I've, I haven't checked out the water. And, and I'm looking out in the ocean, and I'm thinking, I don't think I want to jump that way. I think I want to jump more towards the beach over here to the right. It'll give me a shorter distance to swim. And so I'm, I'm getting ready to jump off the, the side of this cliff, and I see this guy run from the beach and I, he just caught my eye, and he ran out and jumped in the water, and he's swimming out like where no, nobody is, right out in front of me here. And he starts yelling at me, and I'm like, is, is that for me? I'm looking around. Is he screaming at somebody else? Is there a swim? Nope, he's yelling at me, this random stranger, and he's like, over there. And I'm like, what? He, what, what? Over there. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out, why is this random stranger pointing? And I realize he, he doesn't want me to jump from here. He wants me to jump out towards the ocean, which seemed kind of terrifying. And so... I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking at Amanda, I'm like, do I, do I listen to this random stranger? I mean, I don't know if this is maybe a hobby, like I just kill tourists on the weekend, you know, just tell them to jump off the side of a cliff, and I have no idea who this person is, but something in me said, like, listen to this guy, and so I thought, oh man, I don't want to jump, but I'm, I'm going to do it, so I walked over to the front, and now it's just, I feel like I'm very exposed, and, and I jump out towards the ocean, land in the water, beautiful landing, it was great, you know, and, and come up out of the water, and I swim over to the beach, and here comes this guy, and he comes sw swimming over and jumps out of the water, and he's, oh, man, I'm so glad that you didn't jump there, and I'm like, why? And he says, there's been four tourists have died this year from jumping from that spot, because 10 feet under the water, the rock jets out, and it's like hitting a piece of concrete when you hit it, and I'm like, are you kidding? I just almost killed myself, and, and this guy, like, he saved my life, you know, and, and it was just, it was such a strange moment where I'm thinking, I almost didn't go home from Hawaii because I'm just being stupid, jumping off a cliff, and I was thinking about it, that this conversation we've been having uh, for the past two weeks and, and in, into this week is really about how much do you trust God, isn't it? Like, it's really about, do you trust God? We go back to Scripture, and well, you realize, I think, the more that you study and listen to Scripture is that this isn't some kind of out-of-date, antiquated book that should be somewhere in a museum. Like, this is the living, breathing Word of God for you and me. 
And the more that you listen to it, the more that you realize that. There are people in this room that, that, that are living when it comes to their finances in submission to God. And they're at peace with this. And if they could sit down with you, they would tell the story of the first time that they listened to the voice of the Spirit. They would tell you, listen to him when he speaks. For some of you in the room, when it comes to finances, and you've been coming for maybe a couple of weeks, or you're here this morning, and, and you're just, you're, you hear this voice, and it sounds like it's a mile away. And I want to tell you, that's the Spirit speaking to you, convicting you. And maybe you've been able to ignore it and you don't want to trust it and you're like, Who, why would I trust this voice? I mean, why would I even believe it? But here's what's going to happen. The more that you hear God and follow his word, the louder his voice becomes. When it comes to your finances or anything else in your life, the more you listen to God, the more you'll hear God. Some of you in this room, you, you complain that God doesn't speak to you. You sit down and you pray and you're like, when I pray, God doesn't speak. Or when he speaks, it sounds like he's a mile away. I'm just here to tell you guys today, listen, when you begin to obey God, you'll begin to hear God. When you begin to obey God, you will begin to hear God. His voice will become louder in your life and you'll start to know what to do and the conversation will become shorter between you and God when it comes to obedience in your life. And so that's really the challenge is that that voice that's a mile away, you would listen, that you would seek out input from people around you who have taken steps before you, who have said, listen, dude, I know it was sc- it's scary. I remember the first time that I started giving at church, the first time I, I helped somebody and I couldn't afford it in that moment. I remember taking that step of faith and going, okay, God, this is like me stepping out onto the water and I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you that you've got my best interest at heart. And I remember hitting the water and coming up out and realizing that he took care of my every need. Everything I needed came from God. We talked about this passage a few weeks ago. John 7, 38 says that Jesus says that when when we get Jesus, when we get him into our hearts, it's like there's a a spring of living water inside of us. And and so when we get Jesus, we don't just get a drink of water. Like our our thirst is quenched for a, a moment. It's quenched forever. And it's not just in the grace that he pours out on us to forgive us from all of the mess that we've gone through in our lives. It's also in in the ability to do the things that he calls us to do. If we believe everything comes from God and everything submits to God, then God is a river of of living water for our life and for the people around us. And I, I drew this picture that first week that we're supposed to be a conduit of grace, a conduit of resources into the kingdom work that he's placed us in. And that's the joy that we have, is to be able to use what we have for the kingdom. I want you to open up to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 32. And, and so this series is called Stuffed, and, and uh, when you think of the term stuffed, you can think of it in a couple different ways. Uh, the first way may be sort of a negative way, like when you got done with Thanksgiving dinner and you're like, oh, I should have stopped like three turkey legs ago. I am so stuffed. And you just know like you, you should have stopped a long time ago. You're, you're over full, right? I want to read this, this passage. Verse 9, chapter 32. It says, For the people of Israel belong to the Lord. Jacob is his special possession. He found them in a desert land, in an empty, howling wasteland. He surrounded them and watched over them. He guarded them as he would guard his own eyes. This is the story of God's people forever. God is always watching over his people. He always has their best interest at heart. He's always that voice, whether it's a mile away or an inch away, saying, listen to me and you'll live a better life. Follow my ways. 
And he says, listen, I, I'll provide for my people. And this is, if you know the story of God's people, it's constantly back and forth. One moment they're starving, they're complaining. Why are we in this desert land? They're wandering, you know, for 40 years. And then in a moment, God provides for them. Water comes from a rock. Manna, food comes from heaven. And all of a sudden, they're praising God and grateful for all of his provision. This is my life. This is maybe your life where you've been in a time of need. Or maybe you didn't think you'd be able to get out of this thing and you prayed and God provided just what you needed. You know, maybe you're not a millionaire. Maybe you don't have everything you ever wanted, but he gave you what you needed. And here you are today. You made it to church. Maybe you've got a car in the parking lot and it's a piece of junk, but it drives, right? Maybe you slept in a bed last night. That's pretty cool. Maybe you had running water this morning. That's kind of awesome. You ever just stop and appreciate that? Running water. Any hunters in the room know that running water after a week of being gone is like amazing, right? You get that hot shower. I mean, you just realize how much God has provided for us in the little things. You opened up your refrigerator after Thanksgiving. You were like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do with all this, right? We need to start giving it to the homeless. All of a sudden, you're abounding with, with stuff, and you've got more food than you know what to do with, and you realize, man, God has been so generous. And then we skip, skip ahead to verse 15. But Israel soon became fat and unruly. Gotta love the word of God, don't you? The people grew heavy, plump, and stuffed. Then they abandoned the God who made them. They made light of the rock of their salvation. So that's kind of bad stuff, right? They made, that's kind of a bad version of stuff. So they, they consumed everything that God had given them, and then they forgot about God. They forgot about their provider. And some of you know what this is like, where you consume everything that God gives you, and you forget those moments where you needed, and God gave you what you needed. Those moments become a distant memory. So this is, this is the journey of God's people, and you see this ebb and flow throughout the story of Israel. They're, they're crying out for God. They need help. God pours out his grace on them, provides for them. They're happy. Then they forget about God. It says they made light of the rock of their salvation. They forgot who created them. They forgot who gave it all to them in the first place. You know that feeling, right? You were starving before Thanksgiving dinner, right? Because you didn't eat breakfast because you were making room, right? Or if you're like me, you know, like you tried to train the stomach, drink some water the day before, make as much space as possible so you can eat more food than you need to. Then you gorge yourself, and at the end of Thanksgiving, you're like, I don't think I ever need to eat again, ever. I think I'm done. Just throw all the food away. I don't think I'm ever going to need food again. This is the journey that we go on with our finances. One moment, we need God. Just remember, like, if you're here today and, you know, maybe you're, you're along in years, you've got a solid job, maybe you're, you started a business, and you remember when you first started that business and, and you prayed, God, help me. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. Because you didn't make any money for the first two years, right? And you're just scraping by and you are on your knees. All of a sudden, you are a prayer warrior, right? You and Jesus are tight because you are struggling. And then things start getting traction and you start moving along and you start paying the bills and, and then you, you're like, man, I, I, I think I'm good, right? And we become pretty independent. We, we feel like we don't really need him anymore. It's like, okay, the training wheels are off, God. I got this. I think I'm good. This is the journey that people go on and, and forgetting that all of that came from God in the first place. Here's what I would say would be more like a positive way of being stuff. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says this. And this is talking about giving. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So what he's saying is, here's the the journey that we're on as Christians. If you're a believer in the room, that we we pray, we go to God, we ask God, like, what would you have me do with this, with my finances? And then we hear his voice, and then we do what he says. And we do it cheerfully, with joy in our hearts. Like, thank you, God, for this opportunity. And then here's what it says. It says that, it says, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Essentially, he's saying, you, when you give something away, you're, you're putting yourself in a posture that God can give you everything you need to continue the ministry that he calls you to. And you'll never be in that posture unless you start giving it away. You can't receive from God if you're not giving to God and his work around us. We like to pray that we can receive from God, but God gives to those who are giving things away. The uh, the point that he's making here is that, listen, God is not restricted like we are restricted. God has all things in his hand. All, all of his, everything you have is in his hand. He can provide, he can give you a million dollars, he can take it away. He can give you a new car, he can take away your car. Listen, that's all from him. But we struggle with generosity. We struggle to trust him, just like Israel struggled, especially, especially you guys, when we're doing really well. You say, well, you know, I, I struggle when I didn't have very much. Listen, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, Jesus says, those who are faithful with little will be faithful with much. Those who are unfaithful with little will be unfaithful with much, you know? We say, God, if you just give me a little more, I'll be more faithful. No, you won't. I mean, be honest with yourself. And Jesus says that, no, you won't. Your stuff, whether it be a little or much, is a test. It's a test. Do you trust that God has all sufficiency at all times, that you may abound in every good work, that he can give you anything and everything? If he's calling you to do it, that you just do it and you trust him. See here, I I think the reality is this, that refusal to be generous is denying that God is all-sufficient. Let's be honest. Let's be honest with this. Refusal to be generous is denying that God has all things in his hand and that he is fully sufficient. We like to say that, no, I trust that, Brian. Like, I believe that God, yeah, God is the creator of all things. He can give me anything he wants. He can take away anything he wants. But you don't really believe that until you do it. I'm just telling you. You don't believe it until you live a life of generosity. You guys still with me? How you doing? This is a hard message. If you're new, by the way, and you're holding on to your wallet, like, oh, honey, can you squeeze out the back? Let's get out of here. Listen, we don't want anything from you. This, this, this one's on us, okay? So don't worry about it. If you're not a Christian and you're just checking church out, it's okay. It's okay. Like, you picked a good week to come. This is important stuff. We know this is a place of conflict in our lives, isn't it? Right? The two things that cause the most problems in marriages, sex and Money, right? We know that. It's a huge issue. And so if you're like, man, Brian's picking on money, I pick on everything, okay? So that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm a pastor, right? I could sit up here and say, you guys are just awesome, and then send you home, and that would be no good to anybody. Listen, we have to grow in this. This is a, this is a hard area to deal with in our lives, and, and uh, I'm, in, I'm in the midst of growing in it as well. So listen, again, this isn't about how much you have. Uh, throughout Scripture, we see this reality that there are righteous rich and righteous poor. And there are unrighteous rich and unrighteous poor. And so if you're here today and you're like, man, Brian's saying I shouldn't have any stuff or I'm going to feel bad when I get into my brand new you know, Duramax diesel in the parking lot. Don't feel bad at all. That's not what we're saying at all. Churches end up falling on either side of this. They either you know, fall into what's called the prosperity gospel or the po- poverty gospel. Like, hey, if you love Jesus, you're going to be poor. 
Because Jesus was poor, right? He didn't have a pillow to put his head on her. You know, it's like, so, so if, you're, if you have stuff, then, then you don't love Jesus. We don't believe that. And, and at the same time, people say, well, if you love Jesus, then you're going to be loaded, right? You have all kinds of money. If you trust him, you're just going to be overflowing with money. And he doesn't say that either. He just says, trust me. And what you will have that I can guarantee you is peace. You want peace in your finances? Trust God. Trust God. Take the step. I know it's scary. I know it feels like cliff diving. I, I remember the feeling the first time that I stepped in and started giving at church, and it was terrifying. You know? I mean, we talk about this, that, and we said a couple weeks ago, one of the ways that we train ourselves to trust that God is all-sufficient is by tithing, by the first 10% of what we have. That's a biblical precept. It's not something you need to pray about. It's something we just do. And, and we do it and we say, okay, this is something we're, we're supposed to do and we trust God that he, will, he can give and take away anything there. Like it's all really his, not just the 10%. The other 90 is his as well. You're just starting off in a posture of generosity and giving so that we can trust God with the rest. If you've got a pen, I, I want you to write this down. True thankfulness results in discipline and generosity. I would say the difference between the two kinds of stuff, whether it be like you're, you're overflowing to the point that you don't trust God or you are full of God and he is all sufficient for you, the difference is thankfulness. It's perspective. It's this realization that, man, I have so much. And I think just as a baseline for us in the church, like we all know that we're rich, right? I mean, at least by a global perspective, we know that we are loaded, Right? You're like, my Honda Civic doesn't say that I'm loaded. It does, you know. You have a Honda Civic in the parking. Like, it runs. It's fine, you know. If you've got anything like that, if, you've, if you're going to eat food today, uh, you are rich. If you have a, a house to sleep in, you know, that doesn't leak, like, you are rich. And so I think we have to start with that as a baseline that God is, man, we, we in this church, we're a rich church. We need to start with that. But true thankfulness, if you're like, Brian, I know, I'm thankful for that stuff, it results in discipline and generosity. So let me ask you a question. As God has given you stuff, whatever it may be, maybe it's a little, maybe it's much, has it resulted in more discipline in your life? Would you say you've grown in discipline or, or that you've actually receded in discipline? And as you look at your life, maybe uh, you, know, you think about when I first had my first job. I think so for me, my first job was working at a car wash. I think I was working for $5.25 an hour, and, uh, plus tips, which was great. And so I'm scrubbing cars. This was in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Scrubbing cars, making a few bucks. And at the end of that week, I knew where every dollar went because it wasn't much. And so I had to be intentional. Now, I didn't have a whole lot of bills, and I got by, and I made it. And, you know, then I remember getting a full-time job, making a little bit more money. Now I had benefits. Awesome, right? And so then, like, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more roomy when it comes to my bank account. You know, doing a little bit better and, you know, buying things here and there. And, and this is the journey most of us go on. As, as, as we get older and as our, we grow in our abilities and skills and position and influence, we get paid a little bit more. And as we get paid a little bit more, what do we do? We spend a little bit more, right? And as we talked about last week, we just think the money goes in, it goes out. You start off with a junky car, then you get the better car, then you get the really nice car. You start off with a junky apartment, then you get a decent apartment, then you get a really nice house, or you get, you know, land. And it's this, this journey. Everybody goes on this journey of just spending everything that we get. But I wonder, as you've grown in that, have you become more disciplined or less disciplined with what you have? Do you, Joe asked a question last week, do you know where all of your dollars go? Because when I didn't make much, I did. But as I grew in my financial situation, 
I've started to become more lazy when it comes to where's our money going. Why? Because I don't feel like I have to, you know? And my wife's like, hey, want to go to Qdoba for lunch? I'm like, that sounds good. I don't think, what's that going to cost us? I just, I, I don't think about it very much because I know, like, I can, afford, I can afford Qdoba. But what happens is, as God grows that, you know, our financial situation, what he's doing is he's positioning you to be used for the kingdom. Now, I want you to see that transition. He's not only positioning you and your family to be in a better place financially, which I hope he is as well. He's also positioning you in, in a position where you can give to the kingdom work that's around you. And so to do that, to be intentional about that, means that we have to be more disciplined. I was just thinking in my life, like, what are the things I'm not very disciplined about? I don't really realize what I have. I was just, I, I, was, I was asking myself this question, do I know how many devices I have in my home that access the internet? Do you, could you guys count them? Like, just think in your head, how many devices, because typically devices that access the internet are a little expensive, right? How many devices do you have? I counted 11 in my house. I counted 11 different devices. I had to actually walk around and open drawers like, oh, there's an old iPhone. It's probably worth 300 bucks. It's just, I got the new iPhone, so I just threw it in a drawer somewhere, you know? And I realized I've got all this, and you could probably come into my house and steal three of those things, and I'd never have any idea. I, I, you just break in tonight, right? Take a couple of those things. I'd be, it'd be a week later. I'd be like, I don't know. Do we have a computer somewhere? I don't Not a big deal. I just, you're like, man, Brian, are you loaded? No, I just, I'm, I'm not as disciplined as I need to be sometimes. I have things like that, that sit around, and I don't realize what I have. And I wonder for you, are you more or less disciplined with what you have as you gain more? Maybe you've loaned something out before that was very expensive, and it was like a year later, and you're like, where did I put that? Yeah, honey, did we have a four-wheeler? I thought we had a four-wheeler. That's right, I loaned it. You know, like, I don't, I don't know what it is for you, but you loan things out maybe, and you're like, man, I'm just not very disciplined about certain things anymore. You know, or just basic things like your car. Like, be honest with, you, with, with us today. So, who can't remember the last time you vacuumed out your car? Come on, come on. Just a few half hand raises in the room. Nobody wants to admit. A few of you guys are honest. That's good. I get it. I get it. Life gets busy and stuff, but things like that, what, how do you take care of what God has given you? Are you like, well, that's a piece of junk, so I just let it get torn up? Whatever it may be, this is all a picture of your gratitude. It's a picture of your gratitude. Remember when you got your first car and it was a beater, but you like vacuumed it out and washed the rust on the side, you know, you scrubbed it all down, you know. I remember when you did that because you were just grateful for it. But there's this journey that we go on, we lose our gratitude. Self-discipline's hard, isn't it? Nod your head. Yep, it's hard. It's hard to be self-disciplined. Proverbs 13.4, again, the Bible just is uh, very eloquent for us. The soul of the sluggard, that's word of the day, by the way. Everybody use that in a sentence sometime today. Uh, not on your spouse. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Wisdom there, right? The soul of the sluggard. You, you sit around and you complain that God hasn't blessed you. It's like, well, time to apply for a job, right? Uh, maybe it's time to start working a few more hours. Maybe it's time to start that business that you've been thinking about starting. Whatever it may be, He's basically, this is Solomon, the, the richest man that ever existed, saying, listen, it's okay to work, to, to get what, you know, to get some finances, it's good. And the soul of the diligent is richly supplied, you know. We need to be diligent with not only our stuff, but also with our souls. You know, you want to be healthier, you want to be better, well, you have to do the hard work on your soul to be healthy. Hebrews 12, 11 speaks to that same thing. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. 
Again, we know discipline, being disciplined on our lives, results in fruit. You can't just, you can't just get, a, get a fruit tree out of nowhere. It takes time to, to plant the seed, to take care of the soil, to water it, and then finally it produces fruit. So we can look at our lives and just see what the fruit is, and we can see how diligent we have been. Whether it be with your spiritual life, whatever it may be, you're like, I'm trying to get some traction in this area. Are you being diligent? Are you doing the hard work? You're like, I wish I knew the Bible better. Do you have a Bible? Do you know where it is? Can you, do you open it once in a while? You know, I mean, being diligent about learning how to follow God is, is how we grow in this stuff. And it's the same is true with our finances. If you want to grow in your finances, if you want to be used by God in, in powerful ways, you need to be diligent about that. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is Paul, a leader in the church, probably the most influential man in the church apart from Jesus. Paul saying, I need to discipline my body. I need to discipline myself so that I can actually do the ministry that he calls me to and not be disqualified from it. So what you need to know is like for me, this has been a journey for me, for my family. It's been a journey for our leadership team as we talked about our finances and our stuff. What you need to know is that our leadership team at ACF Church, every single one of them, they are tithing to ACF Church. I can say that. They are giving to ACF Church. They are praying and giving generously to help us take a next step as a church. Which if you haven't heard about it, we're trying to expand our facility. God is calling us to plant ourselves here. And so you need to know our leadership team as leaders, we are leading the way in this. We're not from the back going, hey, you guys, go do this. Like, we are all in. We have leaders. And not just them. We met months ago with all of our small group leaders, ministry leaders, and they are all in with this. They're moving forward in generosity and in giving. So you need to know that. For me personally, I've told a few of you guys, uh, about two weeks ago, I sold my pickup and uh, it broke my heart, I'm telling you. So any truck guys in the room? Truck guys? A few of you truck? So I'll be honest, it's part of my identity as a man. Um, I, drive a tr- I drive a pickup. I ne- I'm working on that. Um, it's just something I've... So I bought this truck when my wife and I first got married. Uh, it was about 13 years ago. Bought this truck. And uh, I remember paying it off. It took, it took us about a year to pay it off. Did a, did a bunch of work to get it paid off early. And so then I owned this truck outright. And I just, I loved this truck. And I remember we were talking about ACF taking a next step in our building and, and what that was going to take. And I was just praying one night and, uh, and I was talking to God and he's like, you know what's the one thing you won't give me? And I was like, don't do it. <laughs> and, and he's like, it's, it's your truck. You just love that thing. I'm like, I do love that thing. And if you're like, man, Brian, he's super spiritual, you sold your truck. Listen, this was a three-day conversation between me and God, and it wasn't pretty. So I'll be honest with you. This was like a, yeah, I can find a different way, God. Anybody ever play that game? I can find a less convenient way. You ever played that game before? Like, where giving or doing whatever it is isn't convenient, so we try to find, God, how about I just give a little, I'm going to go sweep the church parking lot. That's, that's what I'm going to do. That's my way of showing you that I trust you. God, how about, you know, I go serve down at Urban Mission. That's my way of trusting you. I try to get creative, you know. In our, in, in our, in our creativity, you know, we think we're being resourceful, but we're just being disobedient, right? And so I'm like, ah, oh, I'm being so creative, and then God's like, no. And so I remember I put it on Craigslist and I'm getting ready to hit submit and my finger's like shaking and I'm ready and I just hit submit. And I, I swear to you, an hour later, ring, ring. And I, I answer the phone. And he's like, hey, you got that truck? I want it. Ten minutes later, another guy calls. Hey, you got that truck? I want it. 
And now I'm thinking, I listed it for too low. Man, you know, I'm getting greedy, you know. But two days later, man, I, I sold that truck. I watched it drive out of my driveway. Felt like getting cheated on, I'm telling you. Like this other man was driving off with my, my baby and I'm still in the moment. I'm just, bear with me. And this was hard. I'm just, I'm sharing my soul with you. This was difficult. And, and I knew I needed to do this. I knew, like, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I didn't think I could do it. My wife told me, I don't think you can do it, which is great when your wife doesn't believe in you. So <laughs> she's like, I don't think you can do it. So now I had, like, a challenge, right? Oh, I can do that. I can be generous. And so I did. I sold the stupid thing. And, ah, it's, it's so good for the soul. I'll be honest with you, like, I feel better. I really do. And, and, and here's the thing. That was just the beginning. Like, God's just starting to pry my hands off of my stuff and just dig the greed out of my heart. We need that, folks. Like, you've got something that God's saying to you. He's challenging you and pushing you um, in some way to move towards faithfulness when it comes to, to your stuff. If you've got a pen, write this down. Fighting for change apart from thankfulness is the seed of self-righteousness. Some of you in this room are like, I love this sermon because I rock at generosity. I am so good at this, Brian. I give lots of money to the church. I help people out all the time. I am so, I got my, I got it locked down. Don't forget where, the, where, where that ability to be generous came from. Like, don't forget that, that to be generous is a gift from God. That to be given that opportunity to help somebody and serve somebody, be part of the greater mission of the church here in Eagle River, is a gift from God. Here's the tendency. We tend to judge the most harshly those who have not overcome what we have overcome. Isn't that true in our lives? Do you tend to judge most harshly those who struggle with the things that you no longer struggle with? If this is you when it comes to being generous, I want you to just pull back and remember that if you're generous today, it's only by the grace of God that you are. Without his grace, you'd be as greedy as anybody else. Only by his grace can you be generous. Only by his grace do you have resources to be generous. So never forget that. We were sitting on the couch the other night. We have our evening routine. We sit down and read the word with our kids. And uh, so we'll open up the Bible and well, we were doing like an iPhone thing, and my wife's like, maybe we should open up like an actual Bible with our kids, teach them how to flip through pages. That's a good idea. So we got a Bible out, and we're sitting there, and I'm like, who wants to read? And Avery, my youngest daughter, she's like, I want to read. So she opens it up, and Genesis chapter 1, you know, we're teaching her like where the books and the verses are, and she's like, in the beginning, God created, cre- cre-, and we're all just like, oh, man. I swear to you, it took like 30 minutes to read three verses. And so like the next day, we sit down again, and I'm like, okay, who wants to read the Bible? And my oldest is like, anybody but Avery, right? It took forever. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. You should probably read. And we're just judging my poor, it's a healthy home, I swear. So <laughs> we're judging my daughter for not being able to read. But it's funny, we can't remember when we didn't read. I mean, who can, who can remember when you couldn't put the words together and pick up sentences and make it sound decent? Like, can't remember that. Just get with it, kid, right? It's just terrible. So, but the tendency is to, to judge people who haven't overcome what we've overcome, isn't it? Who haven't come as far as we've come. And forget that it's only by God's grace that we are where we are. So we need to be grateful, but we need to be, and gratitude is the beginning of being able to be generous. But fighting for change apart from thankfulness is the seed of self-righteousness. So fight for change. Fight for your next step, whatever it is. If you're here today and you're already generous and you know you need to do something next, 
Like you need to step out in a new way. Fight for change from a place of gratitude that you've only come as far as you have because of God's, God's grace. So next question for you, does God's provision make you more or less generous? We ask, does it make you more disciplined? Does it make you more generous? As God has provided more for you in your life, if he has, if you've seen him give you more, does it make you more of a giver? Or does it make you hold tighter to your stuff? The statistics are clear, you guys. People with less money give more than people with more money. The statistics are very clear. Go look it up. Go Google it. Do people with less money or more money live lives of more generosity? And it's typically people with less money. It's not that the more you give or the more you get equals the more that you give. Luke 12, 15, Jesus says this. I love this passage. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against greed. Be on your guard. Jesus says watch out with like an exclamation point. It's a great passage. It's, it's almost like there's a train bearing down on you. You know? There's a train bearing down on you and he's like, watch out, a train is coming. And you're like, no, I could get off the tracks if I wanted to. Totally could. No, like, Jesus, you don't get it. I could get off the tracks. I could, no, I trust you. I could get off the tracks if I wanted to. I, I'm totally faithful. Totally, I'm with you. No, you are all sufficient. I'll get off the tracks. I, I totally could. Totally could do it. You know? He's saying, watch out. Be on your guard against greed. And to be on your guard isn't to simply try to believe more that you're actually a generous person. It's actually to go and be generous. That's why we have rhythms in our life of generosity and tithing and giving. It's to keep us in a rhythm of generosity. It's to keep us in a place to guard our hearts against greed. It's the only way to guard your heart. It's to sell the stupid truck, right? It's not about the truck. God doesn't want my truck. You think he needs my truck, you know? God can do anything and all things. He doesn't want the money from your hand. He wants the idol from your heart. That's what he wants. And money is an idol. It's the, let's be honest, the only thing that we trust more than God. And it's one of the only things we struggle to hear about in church. I'm just thinking about the new person here today. Thank you for coming, by the way. If you're brand new, you picked a great week to show up. I'm serious. It's, this, is, this is hard stuff to talk about. Two things that people struggle with, struggle with marriage, sex and money. Two things people don't want to hear preached about, sex and money, right? Stay out of my wallet and stay out of my bedroom. That's what, that's what we think. You know, just two places that God does not need to be, right? It's uncomfortable. But, but these are two of the places that I think God needs to to intersect in, in really deep ways. A few things that thankfulness isn't. If you're like, all right, Brian, I'll be more thankful. Um, or if you're wrestling with this, thankfulness is not becoming lazy. It's not to simply go, well, I'm just glad for what I have, so I'm not going to do anything with it. We learned last week about creating oxen in our lives. Joe talked about that, getting things that, that, uh, that can make money, like helping your money to make money. And I think if you're an entrepreneur here today, if you're a business owner, if you're somebody who has investments, if you're somebody who's thinking about investment, investments, then th that's a gift, that's an opportunity. And there's, there's a lot of other stories. Jesus talks about multiplying the gift, being a good steward of what God has given you. Definitely, if, that, if that's what you are, are able to do, then, then use that. If you're ambitious, if you're an ambitious person, that is a gift from God. So being grateful isn't to be like, well, then I guess I just don't go make money. Money's not the, money's not the problem. Our hearts are the problem. Money's an opportunity. Money's not evil in and of itself. It's our hearts that make it evil. And so utilize it. Grow it. You guys, if you have the ability to go make $2 million tomorrow, go ahead and do that. Do it. In fact, I think that you should do that. I think God is probably calling you to do that so that he can use you for his kingdom work. Uh, being lazy, or thankfulness is not uh, being a pushover. I think that's important. 
Like as a, as a, as a uh, so I'm a, I'm a boss now. I've got employees, which is great. Um, and, and so as a boss, if you're a boss, if you've got like employees or, you know, you're leading men or women in the military and you've got troops that you're leading, to be thankful isn't just like, I'm so glad you guys showed up to work today. Just go do whatever you want, you know? Just go do whatever you want. I'm just glad you're here, you know? I mean, that's not good leadership. I mean, to really be thankful means to, to lead well and to help bring out everybody's full potential that's underneath your leadership. So it's not simply to just be, to be lazy or to be a pushover. I mean, to be thankful means to truly utilize all of the opportunities God has given you. Does that make sense? You guys with me? The next is this. Uh, thankfulness is not choosing ignorance. It's not, it's not just to, to ignore your problems. Well, I'm, I'm just thankful that I am where I am, you know. I'm just thankful, even though I've got all this junk in my life, you know. I'm just, I'm just going to be thankful. It's not to ignore your problems. It's to lean in to your problems and deal with those. And the last is this. Thankful, uh, thankfulness is not conditional. I think this is key. It's not conditional. It's not circumstantial. It's not, I will be thankful when. It's, I am thankful because. And as a Christian, as a Christ follower in the room, you have a lot to be thankful, thankful for today. And so I don't think we can talk about this without talking about this story. And this is what I'm going to close with in Acts chapter 16, if you want to flip over to Acts chapter 16. This is a story of a man named Paul and his associate Silas. These, these, both, these guys are, are, are doing mission work and they're healing people. And what's happened right before this passage is they've healed this young girl. This young girl was possessed by this demon that had given her the ability to tell the future. And so because of this special gift, these rich men had, had taken her into slavery and were using her to make money. She was their meal ticket. Then Paul and, Paul and Silas show up and they heal this, this little girl and she's no longer possessed by this demonic spirit inside of her. And so now she can't make any money. So guess what? That ticked off the guys that owned her, right? Ticked them off. And so they, 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 they drug Paul and Silas before the leadership and put them on trial and, and then they ended up beating them and placing them in prison. And this is where we find them, is in chains in prison. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But, but, but Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his family. Then he brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Isn't that a cool story? How awesome is that? So they get thrown in jail, beaten within an inch of their life. And they're sitting there together. Here's the first mistake the jailer made. He put them in the same cell. Put them in there together. So here's why we do church together every single week because we need each other. Like when I'm struggling and I'm, I'm just dealing with hard things in my life, I need you to encourage me. I need you to tell me like God is still with us. He is still for us. 
He's not done with you yet. I need that encouragement just like you do. So most people, it's like we, we read this and it's like, it looks like they just sat down and started singing Jesus songs. Hey, chain me up. Let's sing, you know, a Jesus song and we're in prison. This is great. But I, I just wonder if there's more of a conversation than that, you know? I wonder if they sat down and they're in chains and they're bleeding from their head, you know, and they're, they're just, they're barely awake. They're struggling. And, and one of them was like, well, this sucks, right? And the other was like, yeah, yeah, this is terrible. What are we going to do about it? I, I don't know. What, what are we going to do? Like, uh, we could just sit here and be miserable. Yeah, yep, that sounds miserable. Um, I don't know. Maybe we should pray. Yeah, we should, we should pray. That'd be good. Okay, let's pray. You know what we should do? We should, we should worship. Man, it's really hard to worship right now. Yeah, but God's with us, right? He is with us. Okay, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's, I just imagine this conversation that maybe happened before they just started bursting into praise, right? And, and I know that's the case for most of us. You don't just walk into church on Sunday morning necessarily ready to just, Jesus is good, he's so great, you know? You need to hear some things about how good he really is. You need to be encouraged that he is with you and he is for you and he does still have you. And so they, they, they worship, and in that moment, their worship had power, didn't it? And man, this earthquake, earthquake came, and the doors shook, and their chains fell off, this miracle moment. And the jailer, he sees what happens, and then he's like, I'm going to kill myself, because he knew if these guys had escaped, it would be him that would be killed. I mean, this, this happened on his watch. But instead of killing himself, Paul stops him and says, no, wait. And he comes in. These guys are still there. They didn't run away. They didn't run away, and he falls on his knees, and he, he sees that this was a miracle that only God could do, and he says, what must I do to be saved? Here's the thing. I think that we far underestimate the evangelistic power of somebody who worship, worships God amidst a, a, a place of despair and pain and struggle and suffering. I mean, there is deep evangelistic power when the people of God worship when they are broken, when they worship when they are needy, when they worship when they are hurting. And there's power in that. So they sing songs, and we do this every week. We sing songs. But we also, part of our service, we say this every week, we're going to worship by giving. We underestimate the evangelistic power of people who give despite their own personal struggles. People who are generous, even though they have problems. Listen, when the family of God is a generous family, Eagle River will notice. Like, they will notice it. They will see it, and they will, you guys, we, we make videos of what we do as a church, and, and, and the things that get the most traction on social media and on the internet are, are videos about generosity, you know? They're videos where we give something away, and all of a sudden, hundreds of people are like, this is really cool, because when people are generous, it just doesn't make sense to those who are not in Christ Jesus. It's just selfless, especially when they're like, I don't know if they can afford that. Can they afford that? <laughs> Where did that come from, right? It's amazing to me. And so in this moment, these guys worship despite their circumstances. They worship, and this man is saved. I think for Paul and Silas, they worshiped, and then the doors flew open. Why didn't they run away? Wasn't that like an opportunity? Couldn't they have been saved? Couldn't they just like get out of that place? Wouldn't you have wanted to? Instead of, of just spending that moment on themselves, they knew they had a greater purpose. They knew that other man was in this place. And they knew, you know what's going to be more powerful for the gospel? It's if we don't spend this opportunity on ourselves, it's if we use it 
to share the gospel with this man. And so they stick around. And instead of running free and being convicts, they stay in the cell. It's crazy. They stay in that moment of pain. And then this man is saved, and through him, his family's saved, and they're all baptized. What a powerful story. Some of you guys, you feel like you're in chains, especially when it comes to your finances. You're like, ah, oh, it just feels like I'm in prison. I just want to tell you to be faithful today is the gateway to you experiencing peace with your stuff. That's the gateway to it. And I want to read this last passage in Philippians 4. Ten years later, Paul's back in the slammer. He was good at being in prison. And he's always in prison for sharing the gospel. He's always in prison for the right thing. You're like, I go to prison all the time. No, he's in prison for the right thing. It's good. He says this, verse 12, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You guys know that verse? It's a popular verse. You probably got it like cross-stitched on a pillow somewhere. You know, it's on a mug somewhere in your house. It might be written on your mirror. We love that verse, and we love to use it as a way to believe that God's going get to get us out of our current situation. I can do all things. I can, I can, I can overcome this. Do you realize the context of that is that Paul is saying, I'm not getting out of here. I'm I'm staying right here. I'm I'm in jail, and I'm going to be in jail, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, the freedom that you're looking for, the peace that you're looking for, may not be found somewhere in the future when God does something else. It may be found right here, right now. And in that place, we can start to trust God with whatever his next move is. But the peace that you want to have in this moment, whether it be with some kind of medical issue or a job issue or a family issue or a relationship thing or with your stuff, it's not going to become, uh, you're not going to find peace by holding tighter. You're going to find peace by letting go and holding looser to your stuff. Write this down if you've got a pen. Thankfulness is a result of submitting your life to Christ. It's a result of submitting your life to Christ. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, thankfulness. It's a fruit of the Spirit of God. The more you submit to God, this is the dichotomy that we live in. The more that you let things go, the more that you trust God, the more thankful you will be. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for the people in this room today. I I just feel like we're waging war this morning. Maybe more than any other sermon I've preached, God. This uh, This is hard stuff. God, I confess in my heart is greed. I confess that I say I trust you and then I don't live like I trust you. I say that you're all sufficient and that nothing is beyond your power. But God, I I resist generosity because I worry, God. I worry that I won't get my way. I worry that you're going to do something that's going to cause my life to be different than the way I pictured it. God, there are people in this room today where your voice sounds like it's a mile away, but they can hear it. God, and today is the moment, this this moment is a decision-making moment, a life-changing moment where we choose to receive your voice or reject it. 
We, we decide whether or not we want to hear you speak to us or we don't. God, would you give us the discipline and the desire God, in the faith that we don't even have and we can't even conjure up to believe, God, that you are our provider, that everything comes from you and everything submits to you. God, this world is so broken when it comes to this area. and we, God, we're just going to see that for the next month, people running around like crazy. Could the church, God, could we who are your church be a people of peace amidst all of the craziness of the holiday season. Could you show us something today that we need to be thankful for and help us to just well up with gratitude? Could you change our perspective about the prison that we find ourselves in and cause us to worship God, not only with our lips, but also with our things? And God, could you cause us to see a greater picture and a bigger vision for our lives than to just get out of the pain God, but to see the world around us as people who desperately need to hear about the grace of Jesus. Help us to be Paul and Silas to this city. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, I love you guys. Thank you.